0: On our uh, series about selfless. And uh, we just started last week for those that weren't here last week. And we looked at the reality that we live in a very selfish world. And uh, God has called us not to be selfish, but selfless. Right? So that would say to me that I need to put selfless in the forefront. Right? Not selfish, but selfless. And today we're looking at extravagant generosity. So if we are selfless people, we will be generous people. We will be extravagantly generous. And and so that was one of the things. Now last week we looked at if we are selfless and not selfish, we will be bold in witness. We will have a concern for the lost. We will want to share the good news with other people because we know that Christ has sent us to share the good news with others. By the way, this isn't new for us because we went one time through it, not too long ago, through a series called the Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations. And so we were looking at of churches that seem to be fruitful and growing and things happening in those churches. And one of the five practices was also extravagant generosity. That is part of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who are following Jesus, generosity becomes one of the characteristics of those individuals and the church. So, hmm, here is an article... That says, science shows us we are selfish. Now that was written ten years ago. I wonder what they would write now. They would probably say ditto, diddle, ditto, ditto, ditto. We're less motivated to do something challenging if it benefits the common good. Now they're saying Americans are selfish, and we as Canadians could sit here and say, no, that's not a problem with us as Canadians. But I think it would be fair to say North Americans have been found out to be selfish. But Christ has called us to live a selfless life. They're all over so serious today. Now, according to this article, the bad news is for men. Men are generally more selfish than women. Sorry guys, they scientifically proven it. There's a study that shows that the men neural reward system is more stimulated by self-centeredness. Women, on the other hand, are likely to get a dopamine rush whenever they do something good for someone else or for their males. (laughs) And so this is why, you know, why is this? Well, people argue it's because men were wired to survive. Right? Think about that old Idea. I'm going to leave my cave. I'm going to go out and kill something. I'm going to drag it home for supper. There's that concept that men have been wired uh, to 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 go and do that which is needed to protect and provide. Now I would say that I have seen like John and Stacy Eldridge uh, have taught a lot of that. That this is how God has made men and women different. Men get their self worth. They're wired to be the protector of their homes and the Provider for their homes. And women, on the other hand, are what? They tend to be nurturers. Tend. Notice I said tend. They get excited about helping other people. Helping other people to survive. That's why, usually, if somebody said, Why is it women have to go together to the washroom? Men can't seem to comprehend that. Well, you're not even getting the jokes today. What's going on here? So typically women are more generous that's what this has told us And someone said like the uh, LGs have said that if you want to see men show they if you want to see God they show the warrior side of God the protector that provider and women show the creative nurturing side and you know that's another whole different message and, but but that's why you'll watch women walk through a mall. What do the men do when we'll they're in the mall? I need a new white shirt, first white shirt I see, buy it out as quick as I'm in there. What are the women? Oh, look at all the pretty stuff. And they have this stuff and every pretty thing. And the men are like, oh this is driving me crazy. We've just been wired and created differently and we should celebrate it because God Through that, shows we both need each other to see the heart of God. Anyway, we're back to this, that men tend to be more selfish. Well, thanks a lot, Pastor. I came to church for that. But, you know what they found scientifically? Unless it's chocolate. Unless it's chocolate, the women, it's each woman out for herself. As we know, in our household, I'll even hide the chocolate if I have to. I'll find it. And he finds that it and eats it all. That's very frustrating. I our really... culture, as we've been saying over the last week in this, our culture is very selfish. I mean, you don't need to only read these articles to know that. Right? What does our culture tell us? You know, gratify yourself, indulge yourself, get whatever you can. Get what is yours. After all, you've got to watch out for number one, because no one else will. How many times have we heard that? And yet, we know that Jesus taught something very countercultural. Because he told us that our life, as we follow him as disciples, as Christians, is not to be selfish, but to be selfless. Because Jesus told us that if you want to be my disciple, you don't indulge yourself, but you start by denying yourself. If you want to follow me, Jesus said, it's not about you getting more of what you want. It starts with you wanting less. It starts with self-denial. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow me. This is the message of the gospel, my friend. This is the truth of the gospel. Rather than being selfish, God is wanting all of us to experience this extravagant <coughs> generosity. Now it's interesting, we'll have different verses today, but this has been taken out of Proverbs 21, verse 26. And look at the, the, the two here. All day long, this man he's talking about, he craves and craves. But the righteous... Notice there's a difference there? But the righteous gives and does not hold back. There are selfish people all around. They're craving and craving and craving. We know as we talked last week, Paul calls that the flesh. Every generation have been entitled and we call it sin. And the truth of it today is whether it's men or women, we all have our eyes turned inward and it's about me. We tend to be selfish. It's not till that transformation of the Holy Spirit when we begin to have the mind that was in Christ Jesus that we begin to get our eyes off ourselves and begin to get our eyes on the needs of others and we begin to do things that we never thought we would do or what others can't seem to make sense of, why we would do it. <coughs> there are those who are righteous, it says in this passage, who don't hold back. We know that we have heard it said, also, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, how does that make sense to our world? And so today we're going to look at three mindsets when it comes to generosity. First of all, there is the bag mindset. This bag mindset says that there is never enough. Now, I know we're in an afflation. I know we're facing financial struggle and difficulty. But this is a mindset that whether we're inflation or not, this is a mindset that has been over every generation and and it's not just about inflation in a difficult time financially. It is a mindset that goes around saying, no matter what I have, it's never enough. Never enough. It's a poverty mindset. It is a lack mindset. It's a scarcity mindset. Pegai tells us this when we read here it says you have so much and harvest it little you eat but you never have enough you drink but you never have your fill. you clothe yourselves but no one is warm. and he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with (coughs) holes it's like they're doing everything you're doing And you're putting it in a bag of holes. Never able to get ahead. Now we've got to give the context of this passage. For us to understand how it fits with us today as the church. The context of this passage was in the day when Haggai wrote this. People were not putting God first. They had taken God for granted and the things of God for granted. They were now thinking about themselves and their own family their own needs and their own homes and they were building up everything while God's temple sat in ruins. And they didn't care about the things of God. What they cared about was themselves. And because of that, God's hand of blessing and favor is removed. God isn't cursing them, they're cursing themselves. Did you hear that? There's a lot of people who believe that, oh, things aren't going well in my life because God has cursed me. No, the Father has removed his hand and letting you deal with the consequences of your choices That you have chosen to put everything else before God and you will reap, you will reap what comes from that lifestyle. And so they weren't obeying God, they weren't putting God first. This is indeed that idea, as he says, that he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes. You know, some of us know some people that we would say, well, money does what? Burns a hole in his pocket. Or it's like I've got holes with pockets. There's another way of us saying that. See, this is that vague mindset. Never enough. And so we give God what? What's left over. If there's anything left over. We give God what's left over in our busy, already overly busy week. And when our lives are so busy, the first thing that goes off the list, and I'm speaking as a pastor and I've seen it in over 30-something years of ministry, the first thing that goes off the list when we're busy are the things of God. Because somehow that's what's causing the issue of busyness. No, my friends, it's sometimes a life that's too full with too many things that we want. And so we begin to want all these things, and the things of God is put on the side. I always said it's not the main meal; it's like a side dish pushed on the back of the stove, forgotten about And so it's so important for us to realize that whenever we are giving God leftovers, He is not satisfied, my friends, with leftovers. What you've got left over in your week, what you've got left over in your wallet, what you've got left over in your time, your energies. What you've got left over in your day. God is not, someone said, God is not interested in your half-hearted commitment, partial obedience, and the leftovers of your time and money. You know, there's this attitude that I've seen in Christendom for for quite some time. Well, that's good enough. That's good enough for the church. That's good enough for the plate. That's good enough. I, I did my little bit of ministry. That's good enough. Leftovers. We cannot just create our own comfortable or politically correct image of God and worship it. My friends, that's idolatry. And because of the idolatry that was going on in Haggai's day, they were in want. They were craving. They couldn't make ends meet. We say things like, I'd love to give more, Pastor. I'd really love to be more generous. I'd love to be more involved. Uh, 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 you know, but there's just not enough in my bag. I'd love to make a difference. I wish I didn't always have to worry about money. I didn't have, to, I wish I didn't have to work so much. But it's just not enough, Pastor. You know, my life's too busy. I, I, I just, I want to say something. This is, I didn't have this in my message, but I need to say it. As if nobody else's life in the church is busy. That somehow you're busier than everyone else. You know, when you hear that excuse, oh, I'm just so busy. I just got so much to do. I'd like to do more, but someday, well, my friend, someday, never comes when you have a vague mindset. It doesn't work. We hear these words don't have enough, money doesn't grow on trees, you know, she gets all the breaks i work just as hard. Rich, all the rich get richer, Pastor. My chocolate, my seat, my time, my money. This is my bay. And you know what? You'll have a bay with holes in it. And there will bring discontentment. You will continue to crave and crave and crave. And Judas was an example. This is one of Jesus's twelve. This is one closest with Jesus. Three years he walked with Jesus. And he had a bay mindset. And John tells us he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. See that bag mindset? Never enough. And so there he is in this woman comes and pours out lavishly this whole year wage of perfume upon Jesus, and the aroma fills the room with this glorious worship. As she's preparing Jesus, she seems to get it. She seems to understand Jesus is on his way to the cross, and she pours this out, be while she can, this ex- expensive demonstration of her love to Jesus. And what does Jesus, Judas, Judas say? Judas says, oh, look what she did. That could have been sold and, and, and given to the poor. You see what he sees? Because the truth is, John tells us, he didn't want to give it to the poor. He wanted it to go in his bag. That was his aim. It was about Judas getting more. Is it any surprise when you see this that Judas now is the very one who betrays our Lord for what? 30 pieces of silver. Got to put more in the bag. And it was to his own destruction. Then there's the basket mindset. Now you know why I brought my basket. There's the basket mindset. Look what Deuteronomy says in 28.5. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Well, no knows. About a blessed kneading bowl. I don't know if she's doing bread as much as before. A little bit. There's others in our church that can make wonderful biscuits and bread. And so here is the blessing that Deuteronomy is saying that your basket, right, will be blessed. Your kneading uh, bowl will be blessed of the Lord. And so we see here this basket mindset is teaching us that actually there is enough. There is enough. That's what this is saying. There is more than enough. As we're reading this in Deuteronomy. What's the difference here? In Haggai, the people chose not to obey God. The difference here is Deuteronomy is a promise of the Lord that if you are obedient to God, He is going to bless you. He's going to make sure you have more than enough. Did you hear that? Say to somebody... More than enough. More than enough. That's a promise of God. That if you uh, are willing to be obedient to God, he is going to take care of your needs. I know what Psalm 37.5 says. I was young and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their children begging for bread. Now, is that saying that you're going to have all your big trips and all your wants and eat out all the time? And all, no, 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 that's not what we're talking about here. God's promise is you will have more than enough. How did Jesus say it? Jesus said it this way. Give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. They will give into your bosom. For with what measure you measure, it shall be measured to you. In return. Another version that I have here says. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down. Shaken together. And running over. Will be poured into your lap. And so it's not just enough. The basket. But it is running over. Notice that Jesus said. Not what you keep. And it will be given to you. Not what you hoard. And it will be given to you. But what you give. It will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be poured into your life. Notice that Jesus says, give, and it will be given to you. What this is, is that I've learned to obey God. I'm learning this principle of God, that I can't outgive God. And on my friends, it's not just about money. I'm not talking about money only here. If we think it's just money, we've missed it. And see, ultimately, Jesus is saying, it's your choice. Now, I've raised, we raised our children about tithing and giving. Tithing is the Lord's, and offerings is what I give above and beyond. But it is ultimately the choice of every one of my children, when they start to work, whether they are going to follow this principle or not. I can't make that decision for them. That's a decision each person needs to make before the Lord. Give, give, And it will be given to you. Jesus understood that you can't keep. You can't keep it anyway. (laughs) Right? And so it's important for us to give it. Why do we give it? Because once we give it, God can use it and multiply it. But as long as we keep it, it cannot be used. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Now what is that talking about? Well, I remember years ago visiting Arizona, love Arizona, we have friends in Arizona, and we have been there several times, and when we went to Arizona, my friend said to me in the morning, Betty, do you like grapefruit? What would you like for breakfast? Pastor Mike doesn't like grapefruit? I like grapefruit. Out the door she went, early in the morning. She came back in with a bag, and she came in with a bag of grapefruit, freshly picked grapefruit. And see, the truth of it is, there in Arizona, they have so much citrus, they don't know what to do with it. They have bottled it, they have made marmalade, they've done all kinds of things with it. Now they have so much citrus, so much abundance, that all of them bring it down to the end of the road, first thing in the morning, before it's too hot, and you can walk the street and pick up limes, and lemons, and oranges, and grapefruit, and clementines, and bring them into your house. (laughs) They are so blessed with citrus, that they have it out on the side of the street, for people to pick up. Now we don't live in citrus areas and we can't go to the corner and get grapefruit. But what do we have? Taters. <laughs> Maybe this will help you get what Jesus is talking about. If I'm a laborer on the farm, not my farm, i am just been asked to work. Guess what I'm going to do when I have a bushel? Now we're using the old terminology when people would collect bushels, we have to use that. Guess what I'm going to do with my bushel if I'm working all day and getting paid by the hour? Am I going to fill it up to the top that the potatoes are falling all over the place? As I'm carrying them to the barn, and then I'm going to have to, uh, the warehouse. I'm going to have to pick them up. No, 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 no. I'm getting paid by the hour. It's not my potatoes. I don't really care. I'm going to fill my bushel half full. Maybe if I'm a good worker, maybe three quarters full. And I'm going to make sure that I pace myself out all day and not break my back on this because I'm getting paid. What happened with fill your boots events? They had so much surplus of potatoes here on the island that they said to people, come, come and get the potatoes and bring whatever containers you want. Come and get potatoes for the food banks. So people were supposed to bring their boots. I'm sure some of them brought the same bushel. Let's just pretend that they brought the same bushel. Are they going to fill the bushel half full when it's a free potato event? And you can get all the potatoes you want. You are going to put those babies in that bushel, and what are you going to do? You have to be careful you don't bruise them. You're going to shake that bushel a little bit to get them settled down. And then you're going to put some more in. And if you're wise, you probably will give it a shake a few times. And then you're going to fill it to overflow. Because you can have all the potatoes you want that you can carry. And then you might even get one quite full and get someone to help you to carry it to your vehicle. You see, this is the basket mindset versus the bag mindset. That God wants to give us more than enough. He wants to overfill that we can have so much that we can bless others with what. He has blessed us with, and we see that in the Old Testament scriptures when the farmers would go out and say, don't glean, even the story of Ruth and Boaz, you can see it, don't glean the corners, leave those areas for the poor. Those farmers weren't hurting by the fact that they cared for the poor, that they had that basket mindset that I can trust God, God is going to give me more than enough, and when he does, it's going to overflow into the lives of others. And so when you give to God, God gives to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Because what you keep is all you'll have. But when you give, God will multiply it. Think about the widow. Think about that story. The widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings. Remember, she was in a place of dire straits. There was a great famine in the land, and as this great famine was going on, she thought she had her last meal, and she was getting a few sticks so that she could make a little fire and make a little bit of bread with the last of her flour and a little bit of oil she had, and then her and her son would die. But in that moment, she had an encounter with the prophet Elijah, and Elijah asked her to do something. He asked her to give, much like in Jesus, the young man that gave his lunch in order that thousands might be And Elijah says, feed me first, and God's going to provide for you. And so she had to take a major step of faith in the fact that she made and and fed this man of God, and once she fed this man of God, her oil never ran out, and her bread never ran out. She was continually able to feed her son and herself. That is this basket mindset. This is what God is able to do for us if we will trust Him. Now, there's another mindset. There's the barn mindset. This is where there's way more than just enough. What does the Lord say? It's the principle of first. God says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to what? Overflow. This is where we put God and his kingdom first. This is not, okay, I disobey God and I've got a bag with holes in it, or, okay, I obey God and I've got this basket. And some of it falls over and blesses other people. This is when God wants to use us in such a powerful way that there is what we call overflow. This is when I set God and his kingdom first in my life, in my marriage, in my home, in my family, in my hours of the week, in my talents, in my treasures. Everything God is first. This is that barn mindset. This is where God is able to use us now as a conduit, a blessing and overflow into the lives of other people. We're not just giving that what's left over to God. We're giving God our best. Our first fruits. Now, it's not just about money, because we talk about tithe, and the tithe, my grandmother had a teacup. I was just a child. My grandmother was a senior. She was on a fixed income, and that money would be put into cash. I think somebody in our family saw that it was put into cash for her, and the cash would come into the house, and my grandmother would look at that, and the first thing she would do was off the top of that, the money for the Lord would in that teacup. I knew it was up in the teacup. And it would come out, For the Lord. But that's not just what we're talking about here. We're not talking about just giving money. And if you heard that today, then you've missed it. We give our best because what did God give? His best. What did we just celebrate? God gave His best. These are those who now have understood that I can give God my first, my best. A part of that promise of God is also giving him the first fruits. And so the firstborn was to be given to God. It wasn't just about the first. Imagine now you've been hungry and you've harvested. And before you get to eat it, you come and you give it to God first. It's about trust. It's about obeying. It's about I know that I can trust God. And by trusting God that he is going to take care of the other 90% of the rest of it. Yeah. By putting him first. Some of you are sleeping as I'm preaching my heart out here today. That's not putting God first. Sorry, my friends. Is Christ first in your takes a step of faith. It's about bringing whatever's best to God. We have a choice today. As we go back to Proverbs 21-26, all day long he craves and craves and craves. But what about the righteous? The righteous gives and does not hold back. I believe God doesn't want us going around working all our lives and putting our wages in a bag with holes in them. I believe God has so much more for us than that. I I believe that for many of us we have learned the secret of the basket. And and just know that God has provided for us more than enough. And there's also blessing that pours out that we're able to pour into the kingdom and into the lives of others. But here's the big question. Why would I settle for a basket when God wants to provide me a basket? You know, many of our churches, this is how we live. Just enough. Just enough worship, just enough of God through the week to get me by. When God is wanting to give us a barn. Now, some of you farmers are building new barns and have built new barns. Why would you stand in front of the barn with a bushel and say, this is just enough when God's wanting to fill that barn behind you? I believe that God, even in a day of inflation and difficulty, is wanting us to understand and experience the overflow of His kingdom. And that, it's ultimately your choice. You can you can settle by being obedient to God, if you can settle for a basket. and Pastor, I got just enough. Don't don't upset my apple cart. They can't help me with apple carts. My phone just said. Or, I believe there's some here today that are starting and have in the past and understand it, and others that maybe might just step out in the faith of God. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Might just step out in the faith with God and say, Lord, would you provide me with a barn? Would you help me give you my best, my first? May you be first of our relationship, our marriage, our home, our family. Would you be first over my places of work? Would you be first over the hours of my week? Would you be first over my 24 hours of my day? And I believe there are those that are willing to put God first. And as we trust God and put Him first, I believe we will experience personal overflow. Now I believe this story will bring it back into balance because I'm not preaching prosperity preaching here. Because the blessing that can come our way can come in so many ways. And it's not about dollars. I've been in services where people said, put $10 in the plate. And in the name of Jesus, we claim it 10 times that God's going to give you $100 back. It's not what we're talking about here. One of my wonderful experiences that I've had in my life is being uh, uh, able to go to Cuba on some mission trips. And so we would go there in January and we would go there to bless, we were the wealthy Canadians coming to bless the Cubans, and so we would bring in hockey bags, that's what we brought down. Each one of us would bring a hockey bag of stuff to bless the pastors and to bless their families. We would send money ahead to pay for food at district assembly. 700 delegates would show up in Havana and they had no food. They would go to district assembly for a week and have no food. Did not even know where the food was going to come from as they went to district assembly. And so we would send money ahead so the district office could purchase food for the delegates. And so this is what you're seeing in this picture, is they had set up a buffet, and that day in particular, as Canadians, we said, instead of the delegates going through the buffet lineup and getting their food, we want to serve them. And so that's our friend Arnie, and we're all lining up to get trays. It took a little while, and it was actually several lunches that they had to serve to get all 700 delegates through. But we served them their lunch and blessed them. And so we did that. If you notice in the picture, there's rice and beans or rice and peas, you can call it. There is uh, a small piece of chicken, a little bit of tomato and cucumber, and that's basically what's on the plate. No bread, no extras. Uh, The rice and peas, there's not a whole lot of spices that they can put on it. The cucumbers and and, and tomatoes wouldn't have salt because they wouldn't have access to salt. Uh, There there was a very, very small piece of chicken with a little bit of maybe some kind of herb or spice on it. And so as we began to travel around Cuba, every home we went to, guess what we got to eat? Rice and peas, cucumbers and tomatoes, a piece of chicken piece of fish, maybe some fruit from the backyard, guava or papaya, water to drink. Oh, they would make coffee, but coffee would come out to you in a thimble because they didn't have much sugar or coffee. So when they made coffee, we all would get one little sip. That was coffee after the meal. And so as we went from home to home, we began to realize that they didn't have oil, so they would render lard so that they could cook. The, the chicken or the fish. And then we found out, which was so humbling, that they had given, because we're talking about a communist country, they had given up their rations. The whole church had given up their rations of the chicken for weeks in order for us to eat the chicken on that Sunday when we visited. <laughs> One time we went into a church on a Sunday night. It was a wonderful service. They had set up the whole church for our group to come in and have supper. And we hoped that there were dishes and there were... Uh, Great big dining sets and chairs and all that kind of stuff. And as we sat there, we found out after the service, after the supper, before the service started, they had taken their tables and their chairs and their dishes and their few spoons that they own from their own homes that we could have supper and be able to use the utensils. Because most homes have one bowl and one spoon and one cup per family member. There was no extras those kinds of things. So they brought theirs, and then you watched people going down the street holding tables and chairs as they brought their tables and chair sets back to their homes so that we could worship together. Why do I say all that? The Cubans are the richest people I've ever met. Well, we're not talking about wealth as we see it. I've never met a group of people more joyous, more content, and more filled with the Holy Spirit ...than our Cuban brothers and sisters. And true contentment. They sit down in front of that little dish... ...that supper with rice and peas... ...a little bit of chicken... ...and a little bit of cucumber and tomato... ...and they think they're kings. Because they know that God has provided... ...more than enough. There's an overflow in your lives. Some of you would say... ...well pastor, I've seen it in Africa... ...and I've seen it in Haiti... ...and I've seen it in other places... Because they have learned that they can trust God completely with everything when they give God the best. You know, their churches are overflowing. Their churches are overflowing so much that they have simple little benches. And they've got a system set up that... I sit back for a few moments and you sit on the edge, and then halfway through the service, they'll tap each other, and the other ones will sit on the edge while the other ones sit at the back. And you can't get in the place because people are outside every window listening to the service and outside the door trying to get in. They are experiencing God's overflow because they've given God their best. Are we willing to give God our best today? i leave it at that. There's an overflow that money can't buy. There's a richness and a wealth and a contentment and a peace. What was that? Jehovah Shal? Shalom? Shalom. Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. What are you fretting about? What are you worrying about? What are you, what, what's going on in your life right now? I'm going to challenge you that what you need to do is trust Him. Give him your best. For some of you, it's going to be a I'm going to trust him to give them my tithes. I've never tithed before, Pastor, and I'm going to start. I'm going to start giving him my tithes. I'm going to give him the first fruits of my wages and what I earn. For others, it's about, okay, you've been giving your tithes to the Lord, but your heart is far from him. And the Lord is going to say, will you trust me for more? Will you give me your best? What about your talents? What about your time? It's not all about treasure. Why settle for a basket when God wants to give you a barn? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Yes, Lord. Thank you for your truth. Thank you that we can be extravagantly generous just like the Cubans in their poverty are able to be extravagantly generous towards others as they trust you completely, oh God, that even when they have just enough food for today, that tomorrow you're going to give them their daily bread. Because you are trustworthy as they surrender everything to you, O God. I pray this is not an easy subject to talk about. But it is an important, life-changing principle, if we can understand it. That God does not want our leftovers today. God has always asked for our best. That's how we live a life that is selfless instead of selfish. And God, help us all upright. In Jesus' name. Uh, Amen.